Welcome to the Too Rich to Miss podcast with your host, Mr. Too Rich, your Southern urban voice, a place where relevant, rich conversations are had with professionals providing insights and innovative solutions that will help you move your business, career, and life to the next level. Here's your host. What's good, everybody, and thank you so much for checking out the episode this week. Today, we are going to be having our conversation with uh, Adrian Scott, the author of Meetings on Top of Meetings on Top of Meetings. Uh, this con- Our conversation went a little long, so we broke this one up into two episodes. This is part one of our conversation with Mr. Adrian Scott. Uh, author, motivational speaker, veteran, and current supply chain manager. Let's get into it. The Too Rich to Miss Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Too Rich to Miss Podcast. We are back in the building after a brief hiatus. Coming back to you with relevant, rich conversations with experts and real professionals doing real things out here in this world. Uh, So, and today we have none other than author, motivational speaker, uh, retired, uh, well, former military veteran, military veteran. Um, I was about to say retired, (laughs) but uh, but you you didn't retire, did you? You just uh, you just got honorably discharged, right? Yeah, I got out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So yeah, so we got a military veteran. We got uh, and uh, well, you retired uh, retired lieutenant from the prison system. Uh, We got also in addition to that uh, an MBA. And currently, last but certainly not least, working for the largest or one of the largest in the world, uh, depending, <laughs> depending on how things go, they could get unseated. But uh, the largest retailer in the world right now, <laughs> so Amazon is on. And about there, yeah, the working for it's a uh, manager, a supply chain manager for the largest retailer in the world. Uh, Adrian Scott and author of the new book that's currently out available on Amazon and everywhere that books are sold meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings how you doing today sir I'm good man how about yourself thanks for calling hey doing good doing good glad you took some time out to chat with us today um, you know it's been really interesting the way uh, the way things have been going on in the world um, and fortunately for some of us, we've been in some good positions and looking through and scanning through your book, it really provides a lot of good information that organizations can use to keep their people motivated. Because uh, mm-hmm. as we know right now, if you do have a job, you might not be working as much as you was or you're working more than you want to be working. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uh, so how is you have you noticed uh what type of changes have you noticed in just working and the flow of business in general post COVID uh, or in the midst of COVID? I can't even say post COVID. It's still going on. Uh, So how have you noticed a difference? Well, it goes, it's go, it goes back to basically, you know, just what my book is about meetings on top of meetings. 
the communication that you give has to be more precise than before. You know, at, at you know, before COVID, we could have a meeting and then if something didn't go right, we call another meeting and then, you know, we would adjust, we would change the strategy, you know, like a, a team would on, on a football field or basketball. You call a timeout, you know, and, and be able to adjust. But in the current situation that we're in, it, you know, it's not many timeouts that you're going to be able to take because the workflow is actually more because of uh, the demand, you know, when it comes to uh, supply chains, uh, people, uh, they don't have as, as much access to, you know, some of the things that they're used to buying, but the basics like food and beverage, we have it. <laughs> so it makes people uh, buy more of it. You know, it's almost like when they know a storm is coming, they go out and buy all the water and all the bread and everything in the, uh, in the grocery store. But that's what's happening right now. So, so I would say the the thing that changes the most is the communication part of it. You you have to be more um, precise in what your message is. You know, the sender has to give that exact information that they want to see, and they have to make sure that the people that they have are trained to get the results of what they actually uh, want to be seen. So. You know, that, that goes back to hiring, recruiting, make sure you, you know, retain the right staff. But at the same time, the training piece is something that the majority of the companies uh, miss out on. You know, and in a situation like this, you kind of, you find out. You find out the hard way. You know, you 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 now, now you know what I mean? It, it's like if, if you was going to battle and you had your good friends with you going to battle, and then all of a sudden now the battle kicks off and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have had him with me. You know what I mean? Because he, he's not good under pressure. <laughs> you know, you, you find out that person's not good under pressure, but then it's too late. So that's why during the hiring process, you need to make sure you have teammates. You know, and that's one thing I talk about in my book, uh, selecting the right team members before you go into battle. Don't wait till the battle comes and then find out, hey, this guy's not fit for what we really are trying to do, you know? So the, to ask your question, basically the communication piece has to be more precise and training has to be more defined. Uh, absolutely, I, I agree with you. I agree with you and um, yeah, great, great answer. Uh, because as we know right now, and one thing just from looking at what's happening in society, uh, people are either communicate uh miscommunicating on purpose or they're just not educated properly in how to right okay um, yeah. so i guess depending on you know social media you can kind of take it either way um some right. people say off things just to get the right the wrong reaction but right. now um I guess one thing that I definitely find to be intriguing, especially looking at your book, is that it's some good principles um, that can be applied uh, even to the mid and upcoming business, especially right now, uh, because you have people that that everybody's not going through a bad time. And, uh, um, and granted, you know, everybody's talking about everybody's going through bad, you know, we know about the multi millions of people that's unemployed and we know about businesses failing and all this, that, and the third. But on the flip side, in the midst of all of that, 
there are some businesses that actually are really coming up that pivoted that are in moments that could use uh someone with your expertise to be to come in and and, and say well you know what uh now that you're here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your hiring practices are this way. Now I need to switch them to that way. You know, it's kind of like uh, somebody was looking at the structure of your book, you know, and how you really just kind of all broke it down like a show, you know, to uh, to make it uh, to make it an entertaining type of read. Uh, so was that kind of by design, or um, uh, or what uh, in that regard? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um, some of my background, of course, as you know, is in uh, entertainment, and I feel that uh, I feel that the attention span of today's audience is is uh, so much shorter than it was years ago, and and now that uh, people have so many options for employment, they uh, don't seem to take in as much information about a particular job because they feel like. Hey, why do I need it if I'm only going to be here for another year? Or I'm I'm only going to do five years here and then I'm moving on. Or, you know, it's something in that regard. They always are. They're not looking like you know people did years ago. Said I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to keep that job and I'm going to stay there for thirty years and want to retire. You know, things like that. It it, it just doesn't happen like that anymore because of the uh, attention span mainly of people and so many other options that they do have. So um, my book was actually designed to take you through the process of uh, really starting a show, you know, coming up with the concepts that you know you want to get the attention of your audience, uh, mainly by, you know, basically going out there and finding out what they really like. How are they involved with what you do? Instead of you just throwing out messages, you need to make your message fit what they already know, you know, and, and that goes back to the psychology behind learning and things like that, which that's going in on a, uh, on another book, but <laughs> that's psychology right, right, right. In itself. But, you know, I, I think, you know, starting from the beginning, getting people engaged from the beginning, getting their input and then bringing them in and making them feel good about that meeting. So once you get to that showtime part of it, that's the actual meeting, and it'll be memorable for them because the majority of the stuff that you say in a meeting, people don't really uh, remember it. What they remember is how you made them feel during the time that you actually said it. So at, at, with that um, aspect, you need to make sure that you're giving good information that, that ignites the emotions of the people. So that's why a show does that. When you go to an exciting show, you walk away from it and you say, man, that was a great show. And somebody asks you, okay, what happened? Man, it was just a great damn show, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you remember, remember what this show was about, but they know it was great. And they know that they will tell somebody else to come to the show. Or they may even go back and see that same show again, you know, to retain more of the information because they know how they felt when the show was going on. So that's what we have to do is just be more engaged and also be more uh, particular, you know, be more uh, precise on the information that we actually put out. 
Yeah, and I know the uh, and yeah, true that. And uh, the one thing that I think that we that is that goes around now, um, especially especially I guess the bad part of social media is it there is very little information that's well there's a lot of information but there's very very little information spotlighted on the little guy Mm -hmm. or on the person that has a job and that's going to work every day and that's cool or you know or the mid-level manager you know what i'm saying that's that actually likes his manager his management position and his people that he work with you know what i'm saying you know some people get to an appropriate plateau and that's cool and there's not and it's honorable but i think in our culture right now in our society that's not celebrated enough you know what I mean, and uh, and it gets to a lot of people wanting to do things that having desires that they shouldn't have, or having right. desires right. that outside of themselves. Right. You know, right. Um, and, and it's about getting to, and I said all that to get into what you're talking about when people are in these meetings and they're communicating to their staff, uh, giving them the appropriate feeling could cause them to actually think think differently about their position and the importance of it and cause them to perhaps take more pride in their position and when the employee takes pride in a position you know it causes them to care more which causes them to listen more at the meeting that the person is communicating effectively at and um i was looking at um looking at the title of your first chapter and this actually is really good especially now uh when it's talking about matter of fact is that define your desired organizational culture mm-hmm. that's really interesting right now mm-hmm. uh because you know we it, it's 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 cool to be it's cool to be black now all of a sudden and everybody who has been either purposely or consciously or unconsciously let's just say you know um either hiring or not hiring or you know or having their maybe they just have the appearance of not being diverse and they really meant to and didn't know so right right and now giving everybody the proverbial benefit of the doubt (laughs) let's just let's just say there's a let's just say there's a company out there that may find themselves on on the wrong side of the current diverse climate mm-hmm. culture how hard is it really for a company to to really uh switch up their culture if they are all white and, and mostly male and mm-hmm. don't have any females or or any people of color much less black people you know what i'm right, saying what right. if that's just been their thing and and then they just legitimately men typically do better at this job but we don't look at women if that's their thing or something like right. that you know what i mean right. so once again giving people the general benefit of the doubt how do mm-hmm. you think how easy or how difficult is it for an organization to change their culture well, you know, the I would say the biggest problem with culture is that everybody's pointing a finger. You know, people always say, hey, everything starts from the top. But as a, as a GM or upper management person, you're saying that culture should also start from the bottom. So 
you know, so everybody pointing fingers at, you know, who's responsible for the culture when it's, it's really driven by everybody. But at the same time, you know, the amount of focus that you put on certain things as a manager or as an upper manager or GM kind of um, makes everybody else also focus on those key points. So, you know, the priority prioritizing of, uh, of activities as a GM kind of structures how that culture is going to go. But what it builds, what it turns out to be, he still wouldn't know until it's built. You know what I mean? Because it's almost like you're telling a story and by the time it gets to, you know, the 1,000th person, the story definitely going to change. So it can grow, it can get bigger, or it can get smaller. So, you know, as the, as the same thing, at the same time, we're talking about meetings where you definitely need those meetings to actually enhance your culture. So having the meetings is is great. You know, I, in my book, I don't, you know, in no way talk about we shouldn't have meetings. We definitely should have meetings, but we just need to make sure that we're precise in our information that we're giving out and make sure we have those follow-ups so that everybody is on the same page. But um, culture in general, man, culture is, culture is kind of difficult um, to describe within an organization, mainly because of, you know, how everybody perceives it when they come into it. You know, you, you start out one way and then when you really find the true colors of that organization, then you're like, oh man, I don't know if this was a good fit for me. I don't know if this was a good choice. So people second guess, you know, when they find out the real culture because every organization has a uh, culture, culture that they present in their marketing and in their promotions, in their strategy, when you see them on their commercials, that's the culture that they present. But inside presents a whole different ordeal. You know, once you're inside of a company, you see, wow, this organization is, is not what I thought it was. You know, this doesn't fit their, their mission, their values. You know, th this is totally different. You know, if people knew what it took to get... Um, you know, meat and produce and, and, and freezer dairy deli to the store, if they saw what we go through, um, the type of uh, environment that we're in, communicating with each other, uh, arguing with each other, you know, all of that, just getting getting things to the store, you know what I mean? They would be overwhelmed if they really saw that. So, you know, like I said, it is difficult, but in uh, my point, I think that the manager has a, a very, very key role in defining that culture that they desire. You know what I mean? What, what, what do you want your culture to do? Do you want your culture to be um, well-trained and uh, treated with respect? Then you got to start there. You got to say, okay, I want to train people well. I want everybody underneath to train people well. And I want everybody to respect the other person's job and have empathy for what the other person is going through. And I think that's some of the things that we lack in trying to define our own culture. Yeah. Okay. I feel you. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, and I guess still kind of going down that same vein. So, so you are that person that could come into an organization that, you know, that is more white, very few black, very few women, 
and help them to train and update and uh and revamp their culture then right i mean you're the guy that can come in and 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 pretty much put them on the right path in in a, and fix a situation and resolve a situation like that then right yeah absolutely um and then at the same time what a lot of people get uh confused is when they start talking about culture versus the diversities now we do have diversities when you have different types of people but the culture should be created outside of the diversity. So in order to do that, I'll tell you how we did it in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps, there is no white guys and there is no black guys. Everybody was green. They called us, everybody was green. You had some dark, dark green and you had some light greens, but everybody was green. You know, so you have to find that that familiar thing that you have. And basically, if you're on a team, you can't separate it based on race. You can't separate it based on religion and things of that nature. You have to bring everybody in and give everybody the respect of first being a human being, being a person, okay, that has a brain, that has the ability to learn, that has the ability to uh, move forward, move up, that has the ability to make the, the company better than what it is, you know, you have to give them that respect and give them that time and give them that training so they can show themselves to the company. And you give them that sense of pride. You give them that sense of pride, then they want to stay with that organization. You know, they, they build that loyalty over time when they feel like their job is something that's well needed within the organization. They feel important. They feel empowered. They feel like, you know, hey, I can help this company get to where we need it to be, you know. So, you know, that's one thing I, I definitely uh, talk about a lot is defining that culture. And at the same time, I, I really don't touch a whole lot on diversity, even though it is a, a key point. But if you if you start with respect, then a lot of that, uh, a lot of the other diversities really won't get in the way if you start with respect. Okay. 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 I feel you. I feel you. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, and the reason why I said that and I put that out there was simply because of, I mean, you know, the culture we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody is trying to make sure that they are uh, black enough. Uh, they want to make sure that they are got enough ladies. They want to make sure to at least appear to anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I guess once again just kind of going down the road of the people who might actually say well you know what hey maybe we missed it a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know um, but I like I, I like the way you um I, I like the way you put that you know, and that's, I, that's, that's good the um, the perception of the the people on the outside of an organization you know uh, one thing that I just thought of as, as we was uh, talking about this you know, if we, if we go down diversity road, you look at um, the uh, astronauts that just came back, you know, from out of space. You know, they were the first ones uh, to come back uh, and land down in American soil over the last, uh, like, 45 years. And this is also the first time a commercial company has actually been involved, you know, SpaceX, Elon Musk and, and Google and everybody else involved with, you know, that program that uh, attaches to NASA. They're going to make it available that everyone, you know, 
in the, in the future may have the opportunity to take a ride to go out of space you know what i mean this, this is something that's just not thought about but the way I, the way it looks to me with uh diversity if you watch what's happening the um the next people the next group of people the next team that's actually going to go up is going to be a japanese guy a white guy a black guy and a white female so <laughs> so <laughs> i mean so yeah. you can't tell me that that was not purposely created to show diversity to get as many viewers to get as many listeners as possible you know on this because you know we as as people we you know even if we don't talk about race we don't talk about diversity but we still in the back of our minds the first thing we saw up there is that hey a black guy is going into space the next time and he's he's mm -hmm. he's gonna be, you know he's going to be up there for six or seven months with the team, you know, and then you got your your Orientals, you know, in the America. They're looking at, hey, that's a Japanese guy. He's, he's Asian. He's going to be yeah. going up with the first group that's going to stay up in the space station, you know. And then, of course, you gonna always have the white guy. He he is the commander, of course. But uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, he is. Uh, who is this? I'm gonna call him back. Yeah, but he is uh, the commander of the entire team, and they're going to, you know, go up in space. And then there's a female, which you know, of course, you know, you're gonna have so many people watching and saying, "Hey, you know, it's good that they got a female." But you know, my point is, was it done that these were the the best or the most talented or or the people that, that was more prepared to go up or did we put it together intentionally to make sure that we get all of the coverage that we can get? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it goes to, you know, they, when Biden, Joe Biden was uh, running for president, they asked him, you know, who was going to be his running mate. And one of the first things came up is that he wanted to have a black female as his running mate. Now, what kind of qualifications is that? Just specifically picking, you know what I mean? Specifically picking, instead of saying, I wanna get the most qualified person for this job, you're gonna say, I want a, a black female. I mean, you're doing that for, <laughs> for what diversity reasons inclusion you want everybody to really really listen you know what i mean so no matter how much we try to ignore it, it still plays a big part in business and in politics man huge part yeah it, yeah it, it really does um yeah. i mean and then and in that regard you know um now granted i'm which i understand exactly what you're saying um now and and of course you know um and uh, some people can go and um, and try to try to spin that a different way, uh, but at the end of the day, you're right. It should be more than just, oh, you are a woman, oh, you are a man, you are this, you are that. You know, right. you should. Qualifications do matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and be and Every being able to 
Put it on pause for me, Rich. Let me see you real quick. Oh, yeah, no doubt. The Too Rich to Miss Podcast.